Hello and hi. Welcome to another Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks. I'm Noah Richman. And I'm Cliff Jackson. And we are here today to discuss a really, really, in my opinion, cool new horror thriller called The Reading. It uh, debuted on BET Plus on February 2nd. And uh, I've waited this long to hopefully give a lot of people a chance to see it because I want to deep dive into spoilers and you can't stop me. But mm. this this movie was, in my opinion, a lot of fun. I was intrigued and engaged from the very beginning. And Monique's performance was uh, chilling and stellar. I mean, I want I want to see her in more horror. I think she missed her calling. I really do. <laughs> and <laughs> I I really, really want to talk with the writer director, uh, Courtney Glauday. Um I hope that's the correct pronunciation of his name. There's an accent mark there for a reason, and that's what my grammar studies taught me way <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, you know, before we deep dive into it, what did you guys think? Cause I really like this. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I have mixed feelings about it, honestly. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Cause I don't want to go too deep into it. I, I, I enjoyed it overall and, and, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm impressed with, the overall movie uh, as its own thing. So, yeah. So I'll leave it there for now. So, um, yeah, I guess, so for myself, I think the one thing you're, everybody, you're going to hear everybody uh, say that, that I think is just going to be universal about this film is um, the strength of Monique's performance carries the film. And um, <laughs> it is definitely it is definitely something where she stands out in terms of you being able to um, see uh, both the talent, but also just the, the presence that she brings to the screen. Um, and I, I also think that um, it has some, some scenes that are uh, set up uh, very effectively um, that have, you know, some, some good tension Um I thought the music was sort of interesting. It was overdone in parts, but where it was effective, I, I thought that you know, it was uh, you know, that I thought it was effective for, uh, where it was effective. Um, and I guess the other thing uh, that I that I would say that I liked about the film is I think we're going to go back at one point summer you had uh, actually recommended a documentary to me um horror noir you remember the documentary i'm, I'm referring oh, to absolutely yeah yeah and certainly one of the points i know that one thing that cliff and i <laughs> i i'm <laughs> sure lots of the whole trope of the black guy gets it you know <laughs> like like that was just in you know every one of those films and in horror noir, Rachel True sort of talks about her own experience of being a actress of color who was acting in those films at the time and the frustration of never being able to get anything other than a kind of supporting part. Um, 
And so mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, certainly the thing that's the obvious strength of this is seeing something in the vein of the kind of horror that we were watching, um, you know, when, when we were high school, college age, and um, now seeing it with uh, the roles fully reversed in, in a way where um, it actually, it, 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 fully ta it fully takes the formula and um, gives the, the characters of color front and central cast with um, the characters not of color being given very um, appropriate <laughs> um, side casting, as it were. And mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, in, in terms of being a um, uh, something, you know, something that was very, very intentional in that way, I thought it, I thought it actually worked uh, for for the purpose that it was aiming at. So I, yeah. I thought all of that were, were the, the strengths for me of the film. Um, I did think overall, uh, again, and maybe we'll wait to get into the deep dive. I would say taken as a whole, it was for me a near miss. Like there was a lot that I liked about it. There was a lot that I, that I thought worked about it. Um, I did think ultimately it was a made-for-TV film that looked and felt, and I walked away from it still thinking it was basically a made-for-TV film. So um, that would be my general overall assessment of it. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, I think I feel similarly, Noah, in that um, – there was there, there was a lot of like technically good stuff about it um and I'm, I'm glad it's good to see a movie coming out of the black community um you know this has some just in terms of in terms of um people who made it you know it has a lot of the the names in the black film community going back to you know the precious days and and even even um, you know Lee Daniels, I think he was one of the producers or executive producers. Goes back to Monsters Ball, you know. Um, so I, and so I think you know I think there's a lot of a lot of the right things in the right places in this in this in this film, um, and. But I just can't get past kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's what you're calling Noah the made-for-TV vibe, or if it's something else um, where I just don't. I, and, it, and it bothers me because I want to. I want to really like it, but um, but it's just also not from a horror story perspective not innovative to me and so it doesn't yeah, it, it, it was yeah it had a cool twist but 
once you once you get past the twist it's extremely formulaic it's it's very yeah. much it, and and here's the thing that to me was the overall disappointment was based on the trailer i was prepared for some like really like different kind of supernatural thriller and mm -hmm. while that supernatural there is a supernatural element to it overall it's a slasher film at the end of the day and <laughs> and once you get past once you get past the twist which is a pretty cool twist that i did not see coming but once you get past that twist it's your pretty straight up slasher movie you know like it yeah. follows all the all the tropes all the conventions pretty much everybody that you think right. gonna die is gonna die <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh that was the, the my paint, biggest paint, problem with the film. Yep. Yeah, the paint the paint by numbers aspect of the the uh increasing body count. Uh once once <laughs> we got to that point, it was it was just a matter of who's going to get it next. But <laughs> I I enjoyed the cat and mouse game they were playing. I mean, they're literally in uh -huh. a locked house running around trying yeah. not to get dead. Uh, certain plants backfire, and there were two or three instances where, you know how like when you're in a dark movie theater and you're watching the the group of teenagers slowly dwindle, and every time right before someone dies, they do something stupid, and you hear like twenty people yell at the screen, "No!" Which <laughs> <laughs> I I actually yelled at the screen a couple of times. Uh, yeah. When oh my goodness, <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Like they had good ideas. Uh, what was the friend's name? Uh, Jesse, the other girl. Mm. She mm. had a good idea. It was poorly implemented, and that annoyed me. But I, <laughs> <laughs> it's a horror movie that's supposed to happen. So, yeah, I, I even though the, the 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 paint by numbers, you know death count was formulaic they followed it in such to me and entertaining mm. even though it's predictable okay this one's gonna die next this one's gonna die next oh no that was a bad move you're just so gonna get it i enjoyed <laughs> it it was a throwback to like uh nightmare on elm street three where you're just <laughs> just you're just enjoying the mayhem even though it's senseless Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there there's even a, the at one even a point in the film where the uh killer starts quoting Freddy Krueger so. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that's right yeah so i wonder you know it makes me think like did they know that they were doing that or is was that just a side effect you know they had i always to have wonder known. They had to have known because did you did you did you catch the the Easter egg of uh, the name of Sky's mother? No, I didn't. Oda no. Brown, as in Oda May Brown from the movie Ghost. Oh, okay, hmm. gotcha. I didn't yeah. catch that. Now that you say it, I get I, it. But... I, I, I had to. I had to wonder. I'm like, was that a nod? Was this supposed to be? You know, the daughter has a gift too. What? How's this working here? And mm. I, 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 I have to imagine that was a, a wink and a nod 
to to ghost that's mm. funny i i totally i totally noticed her name but i didn't make that, that connection though that's funny hmm. so i'm fully prepared to go into spoiler territory when you guys are ready yeah i was just gonna say one more thing that um you know, I mean, so this is one thing that I just don't know, and I'm kind of, I, I'm, I guess maybe I'm being, I don't know, call me cheesy or, or maybe uh, whatever, but um, the jazz of movie making, if you will, in the black community, and um, you know, taking because what what jazz did. In, in, in the original days of jazz, the early days, the 20th century, was it, it took show tunes, popular show tunes, and it and it kind of gave a, a, its own twist on it, its own interpretation of that, and uh, and that, that's how kind of jazz evolved, and and so there's a lot of. Uh, Common, there's a lot of uh, base kind of material in 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 the jazz world that comes from these show tunes still, you know, today, even. And so I'm wondering, like, is this some kind of play on the tropes in in a jazz way? You know, like, are they are they taking these tropes, standard horror movie tropes? And are they starting to try to play with them? And I'm, so I'm just kind of wondering about that now. I, I don't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily thinking about that when I watched it. Yeah, I mean, I there's certainly films I can think of that I, I would, uh, you know, it's an interesting point in terms of films that I think do kind of jazz riff off standard horror movie tropes, but I would tend to think of those as maybe a little more the um, uh, Cronenberg type movie than uh, this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like yeah. th this, this, this was, th this was maybe just kind of taking the standard and doing the standard. It didn't really seem like it did much riffing. If, if yeah. You, Yeah, I think it for me it was more of a it 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 was a a standard paint by numbers horror slasher as you said. Um it did have it but it had like a different flavor. You know, um there the the uh desperation both financially and mentally on the kids, uh, they exaggerate what can be done and Sky's gift allows them to play that up sometime. And, and her fear of losing control of her gift was a real thing. And yeah. the, the way, oh, what's the one guy's name? Was it Greg? Um, are you talking about the her uh, Sky's boyfriend? Uh, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think his yeah. name was Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah his Greg, yeah. um, yep. 
his insistence on doing, mm-hmm. you know, we got, you know, this one last job, you know, it, it, it's right. literally almost like a heist movie trope. <laughs> and right. I, I, I kind of appreciated that. And the, Well, and it is a little, in some ways, it is sort of a heist movie because, you know, they are scamming, going, <laughs> they are going around scamming mm-hmm. people out of their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, you know, she, she has, you know, she draws enough from the other side to, to be able to sprinkle enough truth in there to, to, to lead them on and, and get the money they want from, from their, from their marks. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is, their marks. <laughs> and um they're and and they are like a a, a team a, a a team of uh high-end burglars <laughs> if you want to look mm-hmm. at it that way and the the twists that sh- her gift is real and she's afraid she can't control it uh plays in to their behavior, mm-hmm. the 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 other angle uh, that uh, Monique's character Emma, her sister-in-law, at literally her her goal mm. is to out them. She's the skeptic. Mm-hmm. She wants to prove how fake right. they are, and. Well, let's 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 step back. The movie opens with Monique, Monique's character Emma, happily cooking in the kitchen with uh, music being played very loudly. Her preteen, barely teen age daughter is upstairs, you know, doing teenage daughter things. The younger son looks about maybe seven years old. Um, is in the bathtub. The husband is in his office. And this is a mixed race couple. And they are living a very, very wealthy, happy life until a group of home invaders enters the house. The house is unlocked. And they just come in. And we see them methodically go through the house and assault and kill almost everyone. The, in the aftermath, we see Emma devastated doing a talk show appearance uh, where she's you know, being interviewed about her book, her memoir on the incident. She has a cane. She can barely talk. Uh, There appeared to be some damage to her, her throat. And it's, it's key that it's key that people notice that I said appears to be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and that sets up, her sister-in-law contacting Sky's team and to to set up a reading 
And that one instance of what happened changed everything. And yeah, I'm going to spoil it. Uh, Sky reaches out to the to the dead family members and mm-hmm. she realizes from the dead children and the dead husband that the story everybody got about the home invasion murders was not real. And nobody noticed that Emma got up from the table and well, they noticed she got up from the table, but they assumed she was upset. But mm-hmm. Sky is still in the throes of contacting those those spirits beyond. And Ashley, the sister-in-law, is trying to grill Sky and like, how did you do this? What did you do? How did you do this? Because they heard footsteps running around upstairs like little children. And then all of a sudden, all of the doors lock. And we see, we see Emma grab a gun. <laughs> shenanigans ensue. But the transformation, the, the transformation uh, Monique had from, from traumatized widow who had lost her husband and her children to complete, utter, unrelenting, unrepentant, vicious psychopath was, in my mind, a masterful transformation. Because she, you know, literally, pardon my French, did not give any fucks. Her basket was empty of fucks. (laughs) And she was like, go ahead. Tell them the truth. Tell them what happened. And Sky is still shook. And then the shooting starts. And then we start the cat and mouse game, which I will dive into in a moment. But that mm. that setup and that transformation, and that's that's the first twist that Emma mm-hmm. killed her own yeah. family. And she realized that this girl had enough of a gift to get that truth from her dead family's ghosts. And Sky mm. is still sitting there. The the way she is completely shook by re what it seemed like she re-experienced the deaths of the children. And that that mm-hmm. affected her ability to, shall we say, <laughs> be proactive in her in enacting her safety <laughs> in the real world. <laughs> uh, but yeah. you you know it's 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 understandable. She would like literally did not see that coming. But that 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 was a, a very vicious twist, and it's one of those things where if if I get the chance to interview the director, it's one of them go, dude, seriously, do you need a hug? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very good twist but it was also coming back to monique's performance a very you know the way she completely in inhabited this woman who seemed to be jovial with with her family and then seemed to be so broken and so traumatized that she can barely speak to suddenly turning into this crazed maniac you could really see the range Mm -hmm. and it was very um, very effective. How to, there was a lot of strength behind it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, like I said, I, I think there was a lot of the, technically a lot of stuff was in the right places in this movie, and and uh, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm dying for something. There's got to be some at some point where we we evolve at somehow into the next generation of horror movies plots, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, I think go spoilers. This, yeah, well, that this one, I don't think the 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 tropiness was all that bad, but yeah, I would like to mm. see an elevation, like take this movie and elevate some of the elements yeah. a little bit because. And this is this is you know this might just be me nitpicky. I expected a flood of black horror movies, either produced by mm-hmm. or starring. After Get Out, mm-hmm. the success of Get Out, I thought should have spawned a black horror renaissance, and I mm-hmm. don't think I got it yet. And this no. this is. This movie, I think, is one that should have come out a year after Get Out, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. know, It's also the timing. You know, Lee Daniels and Monique finally, you know, buried whatever hatchets they were brandishing at each other and started working together Mm -hmm. again. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I would enjoy more movies like this with certain tropes either twisted or elevated and... Yeah, yeah, I I could I don't I wouldn't mind seeing a whole bunch more movies like this. Yeah, well, again, for for me, certainly the thing that was the strength of it was, as you said, that it was a course correction in that it was taking the kind of horror film that we were watching in the eighties and nineties and giving us like a proper black cast and the the white supporting characters i liked how they they did it within the formula but in reverse because what you were you know in the uh in the previous era you always had like the the supporting black best friend character or the you know the like the guy mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. like he, you know he's he's there and he's your buddy and then he's like the first one that gets knocked off or what, <laughs> and, you know and that was just you just go back and watch those films that's just how they all were for whatever reason and um this one really does a good job of reversing that where they don't turn you know like the um you know when when the white guy gets it it's not because right. you know he's like like he's he's a genuine supporting like you know guy who's there to help who's a good friend who's your you know and and everybody's honestly sorry to see him go you know and and in that way it's yeah. like it's the same formula just flipped around and so i liked that part of it and i also as you said makes me want to see you know let's 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 keep going let's let's do do more where we mix it up where you know where we keep Mm -hmm. uh um keep diversifying keep keep coming up with uh stories with with diverse characters and diverse storylines um yeah and um and you know absolutely i think that that was the strength of it 
again, for me, it was just from the trailer, I came into it with a certain expectation that this was going to be something different, <laughs> you know, that yeah. at the very least, this was going to be more of a supernatural film. And uh, mm. really, when you get right down to it, it was not just a straightforward slasher. There was really like, you know, the, the killer was just a crazed killer. <laughs> there was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I have to chime in here. The, the mm-hmm. woman, the professor who wrote horror noir, the book, Dr. Robin means Coleman has a new book that literally just came out this week. And mm. the title of it is the black guy dies first. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Boy. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to pitch that. Everybody go go grab that book if you're a fan of horror noir and the 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 academic uh approach to black horror cinema that was in that book. Go get this mm-hmm. one. The Black Guy Dies First literally came out mm-hmm. uh, February 7th. So, brand new wow. fresh fresh paper on the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, so to address the supernatural element, which mm-hmm. which plays a key part in the final twist, or what I saw as the final twist, Sky was getting more and more uh, afraid of losing control of her gift, and we we see that in the first reading where she where it appears that a spirit is reaching out from beyond to try to step into her and that, or to grab her. And we just assumed it was stepped in. At least that's what I assumed. I assumed Mm -hmm. that that's what that meant by having her mother's name be Oda. You know, the, the spirit would step into her and take her over. And, yeah, I, I thought that that very, very last scene was was a little opaque to me um, because was you it? see her kind of stare up and in, stare into the camera, and it's like, okay, is she possessed now? And... Right. I had to watch that that ending sequence several times, and mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. uh, another spoiler alert. The, the protagonist kills the, the psychotic killer. But as we see what looks like a wound opening up on Skye's head after she's killed Emma. And I had to watch that a couple of times because I didn't know if that was an intentional trick of the light or if that was a different way of the parting of the veil between this world and the next that we had seen from her perspective previously. And the way, I don't know if you noticed it, but the way we, we skip ahead after that to two years later and Sky is talking to that same talk show host about 
the book she's written about surviving the 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 ordeal in the house and her pattern of speaking was different than when she was in the house and with her friends and i was like no and that look she gives to the camera at the end uh, that's when i was i was like okay they they went there they made emma's spirit take over sky because we saw her spirit was actually that strong so yeah that's uh mm. that's that's mm. that's what i saw as the the setup for a follow-up i don't know what the right. story would be if they did a sequel but right you know it yeah, a, a i definitely sequel. agree that they were trying to set it up for a sequel yeah that that seemed obvious to me right yeah i i don't know if i got the same thing that you did from it summer but but yeah I, I certainly see that sequel part. And to me that, that that makes no sense because a sequel would only would work better if one of the other friends had survived because that mm -hmm. friend starts questioning their perception of Sky of what she's become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a stretch if that's what they were implying. Uh, um I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless that's what they really meant after. Yeah, after... I guess to me, it, it seemed a little thrown in at the end was, was really my reaction to it. it. It didn't have a lot of context for me. So, I, I yeah, I just, I, I saw it as purely a setup for a sequel and wrote it off. <laughs> Kind of like that. <laughs> I didn't try to like figure it out really because um, it doesn't really make sense to me. So, yeah. Yeah, the sequel, the sequel thing only makes sense if one of the other friends, somebody who we had gone through that whole mess with survived. And then in the next movie, that person begins to question is sky really still sky that's the best way a yeah. sequel could work to me and mm. other you know otherwise how how do you establish that you don't well do we have stars for it or <laughs> i do i'd give it a solid i'm gonna say three and a half because i appreciated the uh the 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 attention to historical detail for the the body count yeah. increase. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go with a solid three uh, uh, myself, just because you know, like I said, I, I thought technically it was all on point. You know, the production values were great. You know, the music, you know, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, though, about the music. There were certainly points where it was kind of like, I had it on my stereo system, 
And uh, it seemed like there was points where it was almost drowning out the vocals or the voices a little bit. Um, and I was curious about why they chose to do that. But but otherwise, like, I mean, it's you, you can't argue with the, just the making of the film, the quality of it, the acting is, is great, and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, just the, I, I want to see, I, I want to encourage, you know, Courtney and, and all of the people involved in making it, you know, like, keep pushing it, you know, keep pushing this genre and the tropes and the stories and really try to get to some next level stuff and, and really that that's where I think this is going. And I mean, we, we've had, you know, 35 years or whatever of, or more of, of kind of the same types of tropes. And there's, and there's even jokes made about it now, right. With Geico commercials and stuff. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's like, you know, if, I mean, if it's, if it's getting to be that, at that point, you know, like, yeah, we got to start pushing the envelope a little bit, you know. That commercial yeah. is awesome. I I love that they break it out every every <laughs> Halloween. Uh, and just the one, if you're in a horror movie, you make bad decisions. Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's uh, so funny. Yeah, the only commercial funnier was that old Nike one. Uh, it was like, you know, cardio will save your life or something. And the girl runs out of the cabin and the, and the, the Jason Voorhees character is like chasing her and she outruns him and he's wheezing and he stops <laughs> leans up against leans up against the log with his machete and just says you know he's shaking his head skewered and turns around and walks away and she's still booking it through the forest <laughs> uh, that's classic so so i guess for myself um as, as i stated previously for me it was a it was a near miss it was like it almost hit for me it, it had so many so many elements that were in place but first of all i just can't get past the fact that the advertising led me to think i was going to be getting one thing and what i got was something really different like while i appreciate that there was a twist this wasn't a supernatural horror film even if it had some supernatural elements it was really pretty much a straight up slasher film and i didn't think it quite had the full level of production and budget behind it that it needed to take it quite to the level uh that that i think it should have should have been at i you know i think this was something that could have been pulled off a little more successfully had it had a uh you know, a, a full studio uh, behind it. And um, I um, I just found myself checking my watch at certain points. <laughs> uh, so for all that it did have, it did have uh, sequences that had me on edge for all that it had like a great performance. It had some interesting people. I enjoyed how it stuck to a formula but inverted it in a lot of ways it just didn't quite make it for me so i'd almost give it something closer to a 2.75 but I, I think i think i'll say like a 2.5 star for me 
Cool. And you you yeah. gotta admit those those couple of scenes where where uh, Monique's character Emma is sprinting down the hallway with knife in hand. Come on, come on. Sure. No, I I, I can't I cannot I can't deny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you on the supernatural thriller thing. I think I think it's true. I mean, it it it, it just, I think for. The first half of the movie, maybe. But, yeah. Yeah. Then it, then it wasn't. Yeah, the, the trailer led me to... Because the trailer is supposed to get you wondering about the story you're about to see. And I honestly thought we were going to see a spirit, like an evil spirit from the other side, take over Sky. And the whole movie was about her friends trying to rescue her without killing her. Mm -hmm. And that's totally not what we got. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're going to set up for the sequel. Who knows? But her friends are all dead. So how's that going to work? Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sequel would be, you know, I mean, unless they were hoping it was, it would just be like a franchise thing and it, People just keep making sequels ad nauseum. <laughs> but how do you make a know. sequel without like more than one character from the original? That 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 doesn't usually work. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth, right? <laughs> After like, yeah, I think. I think I don't think there's any common characters between any of those. What was there, ten or how many of those movies were? There? Yeah, but you, you've you've Jason got the bad Boyd's guy. Jason was the only one. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 what does what does evil Emma taking over Sky's body do for the next movie? She challenge somebody, prove who I am, or or else. I mean, what is this an escape room mm-hmm. type thing? How 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 does that story work in the sequel? Yeah. That's a good question. Well, okay. We might well, find out. who knows? <laughs> who knows? But but in in the long run, I would I would recommend people check this movie out. I don't know if I'd recommend you know signing up for BET Plus just to see it. I'm I'm so sick of like the splintering and fracturing of all of yeah. these streaming platforms. I'm so sick right. of it. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think um, I, it's a fun watch. Like, it's, it's you know, if you want to just have a, a silly horror movie night, you know, this is definitely a fun film to do that with. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're looking to, like, if you're looking to, like, watch some real horror, you know, kind of, Cutting edge. <laughs> this is not it. Well, like I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm recommending people see it just, just for the entertainment value of Monique's performance and mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, the intellectual uh, value of. Will there be a sequel? Won't there be a sequel? What really happened at the end? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Thank you guys for such a lively discussion about a pretty pretty interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, thanks Summer. Summer. And we'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Pseudopod, the free horror fiction podcast brought to you by Escape Artists. It makes my bones chatter against each other and you sit up in bed. I scream as I remain a statue and then the fury in me becomes a raging hot thing in my chest. Each week, one story told well. There, writhing in lurid agony upon the floor was a short creature, perhaps two feet tall. It was covered with red, wire-like hair on every inch of its exposed flesh. From the most chilling and unsettling storytellers of the genre. The wind's up now, and the sackcloth is blowing in black tatters round it, making it writhe like the worms. Only, that ain't all sackcloth. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or find us on the web at pseudopod.org, and on Patreon under EA Podcasts. Hi, this is Barbara Crampton, and you're listening to Slice of Sci-Fi. Ooh, scary. Once again, the movie is The Reading. Uh, I believe it is still only available on BET+. If there is another platform... Where it shows up eventually, I will let folks know. Keep keep uh, options open. Because, like I said, this, this to me was a fun one. This was one of those uh, 2 a.m. on TBS in the 80s kind of movies. Uh, but it's, it's, it's got some smart elements. It's got some super tropey elements, which I, I believe were done on purpose to you know, wink, wink, nod, nod at those fans of those 80s types of uh, relentless parade of death scenes, horror movies. And uh, to weigh in a little bit on the streaming service wars, <laughs> uh, I I gave up on DirecTV Stream finally just it's only been a few months and i switched over to fubo which gives me a lot more channels that i want to see uh has fewer channels that i don't want it there's a couple of channels that i would watch uh just to just to binge little things now and then that aren't on fubo like uh we tv and lifetime yes I, I will binge Rizzoli and Isles, but that's on HBO Max. Uh, same thing for WeTV. I would binge Criminal Minds every now and then, but only like the first, you know, five seasons. Uh, so I'm not missing a whole lot. Really aren't. And uh, I'm probably about five minutes away. Eh, maybe five days. I don't know. From... Uh, finally dropping Netflix after over a decade uh, 
and going with Amazon Prime. You know, Amazon Prime is like five bucks a month more, eh, four bucks a month more. But the stuff that was on Netflix that I was watching isn't on Netflix anymore, which is no longer a problem, really. Uh, the thing I binged the most was uh, Lucifer. And thanks to certain promotional uh, endeavors, I already have the DVDs of those. All six seasons, I have them. Uh, I went looking for the DVD or Blu-ray for season one of Seven Deadly Sins, the anime, and I found it. Complete season one, wasn't that expensive, and now there's really not a whole lot of reason for me to keep Netflix. Uh, I am keeping Hulu. There, there's stuff on Hulu that I watch now and again, and stuff that comes back. I mean, The Gifted is still on Hulu. The Runaways is still on Hulu. The TV show uh, that was on, I think it was on Freeform. Uh, I think at the time it was ABC Family. Uh, Stitchers is still on Hulu. So there's more stuff for me to watch on Hulu. Netflix, not so much anymore. And that makes me a little bit sad because Netflix and Hulu were the two big 800-pound gorillas in the room for streaming TV shows that you couldn't find anywhere else. Hulu was the first platform to carry Babylon 5. And for a while, they had the original version of the pilot movie, The Gathering, with the Stuart Copeland soundtrack instead of the Christopher Franke soundtrack. Babylon 5 fans will know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so letting go of Netflix is an emotional chore for me because it meant so much to me up until four years ago. And I'm still processing that, I believe. Anyway, how about you? Did you see the reading? You want to weigh in on it? Or what are your thoughts on streaming platforms? Give me a call. The number is 602-635-6976 or shoot me an email, summer at sliceofsci-fi.com or hit me up on Twitter at sliceofsci-fi or leave your comment in the discussion section here on the website, sliceofsci-fi.com. You can listen to Slice of Sci-Fi on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio. And if you're listening through Apple or Stitcher or Podchaser, leave us a rating or a review. Let folks know you are enjoying 
the show and uh, help let other folks know that maybe they should check it out for themselves. I'd like to thank everyone who is currently helping to support Slice of Sci-Fi and all of the other podcasts and websites in the Slice of Sci-Fi universe. Your support really does help keep things online. If you'd like to add your support, the place to go is patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi. Pick a tier, any tier, and uh, every donation tier over at Patreon is makes you eligible for perks. Uh, remember how I said I get promotional items to review or prepare for interviews? Well, I can't keep it all. <laughs> There's just not enough space. So, uh, you guys, my listeners, my supporters, you get first dibs at uh, some of the swag. Every month, I pick an email address out of the hat, and that person gets to choose from a list. I have books, I have DVDs, I have Blu-rays, I have 4Ks. Uh, some of the good stuff I put out on special giveaways. Keep an eye out soon for a giveaway of the Space 1999 Technical Manual and uh, the new 4K Director's Cut Special Edition Star Trek The Motion Picture. Both of those giveaways will be coming up soon. Other ways you can help support this show is through PayPal, paypal.me slash sci-fi summer, or heading over to sliceofsci-fi.net and uh, using the affiliate links there to purchase items curated by the folks here at uh, Slice of Sci-Fi, Writers After Dark, and Babylon Podcast, too. We uh, are growing a list of uh, items affiliate links through either Amazon or Bookshop and we get little tiny bits of kickback to help help keep the engines of data flow going. <laughs> but that will do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with more Slices Sci-Fi next time. Take care. Mm-hmm.